on this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. It is OU Texas weekend, baby. And former Longhorn Fozzie Whitaker joins us to preview the game. In the National College Football Roundup, we preview some of the best games in week six, including Penn State, Iowa, and Georgia, Auburn. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Cleveland Browns and LA Chargers. And we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, October 7th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps, Teddy's favorite. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in October from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Monster Mansion of Money promotion. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now we're recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. The week is here. It is the most wonderful week of the year, Ted. Let's go. It's exciting. And I know they're always, it doesn't matter what the rankings are next to the teams. It's always a crazy game, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but this one I feel like is maybe even a little bit, um, I don't know, a little more unsettling than, than previous years. I think this is, this is how I've kind of been saying it to myself in my head. Both teams, players and coaches, and both fan bases – completely believe they're going to win this game. And I don't think it's that way every year. I don't think it's been that way. Like say the last decade, right? There's been, there's been some guys for Texas that have walked into that game being like, "Uh Oh, you know, we're in trouble. I really think that both teams think they're going to win this game. And you just hear from, you know, some of the things coming out, from Texas, some of the things coming out from Oklahoma, you know, it hasn't been a stellar start for OU 5-0, and but hadn't been an impressive 5-0. and This is the and, ultimate get-right game. Nope. Yeah, no kidding. And for Texas, like, they have – they've moved on. 
from that ass whooping that Arkansas gave them. And they've done some good things the last couple of weeks, right? Put a 70 piece in three quarters on tech and then went to TCU, who has been a huge pain in their ass and beat them in Fort Worth. Now it wasn't perfect, but they've got they've got some momentum rolling in this game. So I, I think when I look at this game, I'm like, man, I feel like Texas fans are talking way more noise than usual. And I think it's because they're feeling pretty good about their team. Some people are pretty down on OU with what they've done in their five games. And I, I think that's why this one feels a little a uh, little different, Ted. Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. Number one, we look at the win, Texas win over TCU as, well, who cares? It's TCU, right? TCUs, they're, they're a solid football team, but that win is nothing to write home about. But for Texas, it's a different story. TCU has absolutely owned them recently. So the fact that they went into Fort Worth and got a win, I think that says a lot about the mindset of that football team. Because in years past, whenever you, you've lost to them however many years in a row or you know seven out of eight or whatever it was, it's, it's not so much like what happens on the field. It's like a mental block. You go out there and play to not lose instead of just going out there and letting it rip and be confident and make plays. And I think it says a lot that Texas was able to do that now. And my second point is there's a lot of OU fans or, you know, college football fans in general that Texas beat Louisiana week one. was like, oh, hey, okay, looking good. Arkansas week two. They get stomped, and everyone just dismisses Texas. But I view it as Texas pre-Casey Thompson and Texas post-Casey Thompson. He came in late in that football game, had two rushing touchdowns, threw it around efficiently. Now, maybe it's against the scrubs against Arkansas. I get that. But still, they have been a different machine offensively since he's taken over at the helm. So I, I view the two Texases differently. So what are we going with BCT and ACT yeah. before Casey Thompson, after Casey Thompson? Yep. They have, right. they've definitely been a more efficient offensive football team, ACT. No doubt. It's not close. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a few thoughts on, on OU. Oh, you did your show with Lincoln this week. Anything really stand out? about what the head coach had to say? Nothing really. He played it pretty close to the vest, as he always does, and spoke highly of Texas. And, um, you know, he, he did feel pretty good about the performance offensively from our guys, you know, coming out of that game. Um, I asked him about some of the zone and boot stuff, and not surprisingly, he didn't really speak directly to it, just spoke in real general terms as to not give anything away as if like that's something they're going to continue or was that a one-time thing against Kansas State? Um, you know, I did ask him about have they considered changing up their coin toss, you know, because when they've win, they've been deferring. And then they've been in these first halves and games where there's so limited possessions. I asked him if they've thought about starting to take the football 
And he said they thought about it, but again, he's not giving any hint as to what they may do moving forward. But I got to tell you, I think moving forward from, from now on, if OU wins the toss, they'll be taking the football. Ooh, I like that. Let's get, let's get aggressive with it. And as far as, as far as the zone running game and building the play action stuff and the boot stuff off of it, it would be insane if they didn't keep doing it after how efficient it was last week. Yeah. I will say though, Kansas state was, they were not prepared for that. They were preparing for OU's gap scheme. Listen to this. Tell me how crazy this is. So our radio crew got up there Friday and went to the stadium and went to the booth to set up the stuff early. And when they set up early, Kansas State was having their walkthrough. And when they were having their walkthrough, one of the guys on the broadcast was just watching what they were going through. And he says that all they practiced was like the GT counter stuff that he saw defensively. That's what they were looking at. Uh, So really, forget that. That's really not what's amazing. What's amazing is that Kansas State allowed OU's radio broadcast team in the stadium setting up while they were doing their walkthrough. Why weren't we there? I mean, the guys, who was setting up for us? Drake and... They uh, don't know what they're looking at. Well, not... I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a rude way. Just like, if it were me and you... Yeah, well, we they, were stolen the entire game plan, right? <laughs> right. Well, they just kind of like dismissed it. Like, and he was like, Yeah, they were because I mentioned, I was like, I don't think they prepared for all the zone and boot stuff. And he's like, Yeah, when we were setting up and they were walking through yesterday, all they practiced was like the GT counter stuff. I was like, Wait, you guys were setting up in here while they were down there walking through? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I. Yeah, that, I, I truly can't believe that that happened. <laughs> I know. That's what I was, I was thinking. I, crazy. I'd like to think you and I would have integrity in that moment and be like, hey, we're not going to look, but come on. I mean, come on. I would, I, well, I would definitely look. The question is, do you pass on what you saw or not? We will, uh, we will keep that to ourselves. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll um, never know. So I had some conversations this week uh, about the offensive line. And I I will say this. I I know I've been hard on that group. And I'm going to continue to be hard on that group. But uh, after a few discussions, I I do think looking back at last week still, they, they did a better job when it comes to communicating, to identifying the the fronts, where they're working to, in the run game and in pass protection, it, it was a lot cleaner. Now, can it still be better? Yes. Uh, they they need every one of the guys along the offensive line to know exactly where they're going on every snap. Now, they knew what they were doing for the most part. That doesn't mean they executed well all the time. Those are two very different things. Right. And in fact, when I grade the tape, I I have just like an assignment column. Like, did you go to the right place? And then like a, hey, did you get it done? Is this what it's supposed to look like column? The did you get it done? Is this was what it's supposed to look like column? There are a lot of minuses in there. Yeah. The assignment column, not too shabby, not too bad. But I, I do think 
the communication is going to be challenged, right? I mean, Andrew Ramey's a young player. He's getting better. He's getting more comfortable at the position. The Cotton Bowl's a different animal, man. It's loud. There's a lot going on. Like, you feel stress when you're playing that game. So it's going to be not only up to him, but to some of the veteran guys along that offensive line to help him out a little bit because uh, there can't be any secrets kept in this game. You have to communicate. You have to be demonstrative. You have to be loud and make sure that you're on the same page because this is going to be the cotton bowl at max capacity, baby. It is going to be rocking. And that communication, if they communicate well, Ted, I think they're going to put themselves in a good spot. They've been working with the crowd noise all week in practice, really cranking it up to almost kind of an obnoxious level, but that's going to be a key, man. Uh, it's, it, I know a lot of people think, Hey, it, no, it's just how you play from when the ball snapped, but what all that stuff, especially offensively, the communication that's going to go on before the snap, it's going to be pivotal for this group. Yeah. You're right about that game. Just thinking back, usually whenever you play a football game, day of, there's a bunch of butterflies and like that anxiety about playing the game stays there right up until you jog on the field and then you get lined up and then it really disappears and you settle into the game and you kind of forget about everything else. That game is a little bit different to where you almost have that same feeling every time you take the field, right? There's almost like that. And, that, and it can depend on what end of the field you're taking sure. the field on. Sure. And it's it, like it you just, can feel pretty good on one end and then the next you're like, damn, this uh, this this entire side of the stadium hates me. It's a weird feeling. It's like the only place where you feel like you're playing the entire game under a microscope. You know, it's, you know, that, hey, that's, that's why it's awesome, though. And the communication, like you said, it's critical for offensive line, defense, everything. Like the communication with some of the, the shifts and motions that they give us offensively is going to be the same thing as, you know, talking through the offensive line. Yeah. Okay. Quick scouting report of the Texas Longhorns. Offensively, lots of shifts, lots of motions. Uh, they're starting to do some more RPO stuff. You saw it against TCU. They've built on it more each game the last like three weeks. They're starting to get more comfortable with some of the RPO stuff. And, and if you think back about what Bama did with Tua Tugavailoa, it, it, it's some of that. Mm-hmm. And it's frankly, some of it's impossible to defend if they're not going to call a legal man downfield on the offensive line. It's just, it's just what it is. You, you mentioned Casey Thompson. We are in the, uh, the ACT period of Texas football. Now, he was not great against TCU, his worst game by far. But other than that performance, he's been efficient this season. And although it's clear they want him playing from the pocket, you know, Steve Sarkeesian wants him playing quarterback. Let's not forget about his mobility. Like just when you forget about it, uh, TCU, I mean, he rips off a 41-yard run and looks fast doing it. But the story of this offense, man, Bijan Robinson, he is the best running back in all of college football. I have not seen anyone better. And that's no disrespect to any other back in the country. This dude is just damn 
good. He's awesome. I, yep. I don't I don't know what else to say, Ted. The kid he is a fantastic player. Yeah, and they'll feature him a bunch of different ways too. Uh, they'll get him the football out of the backfield in the passing game. They'll line him split out as a wide receiver in the passing game and get him the football. They'll obviously hand it to him uh, a whole bunch and you know uh, several different ways. And they're not scared to just continue to feed him. What 35 carries against TCU he had, which it, that's a rare number in big time Division One college football. Most places divvy those carries up between multiple guys. They're gonna feed him nonstop. Yeah, if you ask Gary Patterson, he'll tell you that's too many carries. Yeah, <laughs> but okay. So the offensive line for Texas. They had a starting offensive guard, Denzel Oakford, go down against TCU. He's out for the year. So they've had to move some pieces around. Now they've got – they took the guy that was playing right tackle, Derek Kerstetter, moved him to left guard, and brought in a young right tackle named Andre Karik. And I've actually kind of liked what I've seen from Karik. He's a little raw. Like you can tell, he's still a little light. Um, you know, st- needs another offseason in the weight room. but. Did some pretty good things in three quarters of action against TCU. The interesting guy, the guy I think OU can pick on is their left tackle, Christian Jones. He's a massive human, but he's a guard playing tackle. And he does not redirect well at all. And I think OU, whether it's Benito or Isaiah Thomas, I think you can beat him with speed. I think you can beat him with inside moves. He has been a headache for Texas fans. And after watching all of their games on offense now, I understand why. He is, he'll be awesome one play in the next year, just like, oh my gosh, what was that? So I think, oh, you can get after him a little bit. As far as the skill guys, Jordan Winnington's healthy and he looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Xavier Worthy, freshman. These Both of these guys are weapons at wide receiver. Do a really good job with the ball in their hands after the catch. Uh, physical players. You, you look at Bijan, Whittington, and Worthy. They all can make people miss. Uh, they all get yards after contact. I mean, they're dangerous guys. And one thing to think about, and I, I am very curious to see what Sarkeesian does on this front. How much 12 personnel will they use? Right, They've got the big tight ends, uh, Wiley and Brewer, experienced guys, big guys, do a good job from what I've seen at the point of attack in the run game. I'm wondering if OU gets a lot of that in this game. I, I think they, they could. They will. Um, you know, the thing for us defensively is we've played enough games now and played enough um, average football to where we've shown a bunch of our our flaws. Um, and we've got several of them. Zone coverage, crossers underneath. Flaw. Texas is going to attack that. Um, Amanda Mann backs out of the backfield. Gave up two touchdowns in situations like that against um, Tulane right out of the gate. Now, some of that was man-to-man stuff. Other... The other one was a rotation with the safety gone bad. But we've shown, again, with, with Deuce Vaughn that backs out of the backfield going to give us trouble. We're going to get a ton of that. 
We've also given up some, some plays on the perimeter. Kansas State hit us with some outside running plays out of split backs that we're going to see some version of that. It's a great way to attack our defensive line that twists and stunts in the middle. You just you wash all that down and get outside on the backers right away. Um, we're going to see some version of that. The pin and pull stuff, we're going to see some version of that. Uh, we've given up some deep balls in one-on-ones. We're going to see that. Some uh, missed gaps in shifts and motion and kind of exotic formations, if you want to call them that. Uh, unbalanced, X off, uh, some of the motions. We're going to see all of that. It's going to be the full gamut of things up to this point that we've struggled with. Sarkeesian's going to build all of that into his offense in one way or another. And he'll probe around to see what works and what they can find or what they could really go with. But we are going to see a little bit of all the things that we've struggled with. Yeah. And uh, as I've watched Texas's offense, really, I think the key, and you didn't see a lot of this in the Kansas State game from OU's defensive line, they got to get penetration in this football game, man. Penetration, yep. kills, all run schemes. Even if B. John Robinson is the guy getting handed the football. They need to stop that dude before he gets started. You can't have him get to the line of scrimmage with a head of steam and then start doing the, the cool little jump cut gallop thing that he does. I don't know how he does it so well, but it, it he's just got it, man. You, he needs to be doing that on the Texas side of the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And really, this sounds simple, but if, you want to make Casey Thompson beat you throwing the ball, right? If well, your choices yeah. are Bijan running it or Casey Thompson throwing it, I'm taking my chances with Casey Thompson throwing it. You can live if he just is just slinging it all over the place, Ted. I think you can live with that, but you yeah. you have to contain. There's no stopping Bijan Robinson. He's too good, right? But you have to contain him. You cannot let him have game-changing, massive, explosive runs. Right. And, you know, Texas knows that. Right? If, if you're sitting around in the offensive, um, you, know, you know, the staff meeting, and you're saying, okay, boys, what, what are we going to do here? Well, we got to get B. John Robinson going. Yeah, I understand that. Now, we know that that's going to be Oklahoma's focus, stopping the run. So what do we do to slow them down, stopping Bijan Robinson? And I know we haven't seen a lot of it, but he's totally capable of it. Casey Thompson's going to be in the run game. It wouldn't shock me if when they run any of their zone stuff that he keeps it like the first couple of times that they run it. Just to implant it in the head, because everyone's going to be we're going to be chomping at the bit to stop Bijan Robinson. Oklahoma. Hasn't given up a 100-yard rusher since well, all the way back of 2019, I believe. So they're going to be chomping at the bit to stop him. First thing, first right out of the gate, I wouldn't shock me if they pulled it and either went with quarterback running game or boot action, some type of play action off of it to just slow down that pursuit. And once you put it in the head on those edge defenders that the quarterback's going to keep it around the, the outside, it slows things down big time on the backside. Sometimes, and, and maybe it's because we do so much stuff together now, 
Sometimes I feel like our football brain is becoming one. <laughs> it's melding together. Because I today I was like, man, Casey Thompson can go as a runner, and they're going to be so focused on shutting down number five that that brief hesitation, right? And Casey Thompson can rip off a big, long run. So it's definitely something the Sooners are going to have to be aware of. And, yeah. If, but I will, I will stick with my theory of if the choices are Bijan Robinson running it or Casey Thompson throwing it, I think you'd rather have Casey Thompson throwing. There's no doubt, no doubt. Okay, defensively for Texas, so you'll see him in a three-down structure if you don't have any tight ends on the field. So if you if you're in what you call ten personnel, right, you'll see them in a three down looking structure you'll see them in a four down structure four down lineman defensive structure about two-thirds of the time you know that was some rough math by me from what i've watched but about two-thirds of the time if you have a tight end or two tight ends on the field they'll be in a four down look their top coverages are cover four with cover three right behind it not too far behind from a percentage standpoint they've got size and strength in the interior of the defensive line with the jomo coburn and sweat those are big heavy dudes especially coburn and tavandre sweat alfred collins can play inside or outside he's really their most athletic guy along the defensive line uh, just got length uh overshone is the better of the two inside backers uh, defensive backs wise uh, I do think they are solid at corner and nickel. Now, Deshaun Jameson, he's given up some big plays this year, but he, he's got speed. But he's a guy, Ted, that I think you want to get into the run fit. So you probably put some formations into the boundary, try to try to get him into the fit. And if they want to go co- corners over, so be it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you'll ju- you're hopefully you're running at safeties. And that is actually where I think the weakness of their back end is. I, I just – I don't think B.J. Foster and Jaron Thompson are, are great at the safety position for them. But I, I do think Anthony Cook is a really good nickel. He is an ideal body type for a nickel. Physical, not scared to play the run. Uh, Josh Thompson is about as physical when it comes to playing the run as you'll find at corner. And then Darian Dunn is another guy who they played – at different corner spots and he's big physical dude, man. They, I mean, they looked the part. They always do. But I do think if you're going to attack that defense, you're, you're probably, you're, you're attacking the safeties, you know, looking at the back end, like who you could pick on in, in the passing game. Yeah. I love, I love the idea of getting the corner in the run fit and it's a perfect way to build off of our zone and boot scheme. Right. So the best way to get a corner into the run fit, you can do nub side stuff, but there's an easy answer for that uh, for the defense. What they do not have an answer for is crack motion or nasty split. So whenever you say crack motion, it's when a wide receiver motions into the core. And when you run towards him, he comes up and cracks the support player like the down safety. So when he comes up to crack the down safety, 
you have what's called crack replace. The corner has to come off, and he now takes a safety spot in the run fit. And corners do not like that at all. So whenever you motion in and you start to crack, it's corners hate it. Uh, but the other thing is the it gets the whole defense looking over there at that split. Nasty split is the same thing on the other side, just with the X receiver, and he lines up there. He can't motion. He's on the ball. And you can crack from that position and force a corner into the fit too. But what's great about it is it builds perfectly into the boot scheme, right? So nasty alignment for a defense means zone and boot. Be ready for it. And you can do a bunch of things off of it. You can do the G pass, which looks like boot to the defense, and they all overplay this way. And you run backside routes off of a nasty split. So uh, that would be a great way because they didn't do any of that stuff against Kansas State. That would be a great way for them to expand that zone and boot game is in, introduce the crack and try and force those, those corners into the, into the action. Number five, keep your eyes on number five. Try to get him to make some tackles. That's what I would do. Um, other ways I think OU should attack Texas's defense. Play with some tempo. Now, I have gotten into this argument on Twitter this week about whether or not OU is an up-tempo offense. They are not. They actually play very slow from a tempo standpoint. But They haven't really been since. They did some with Baker, and they did some with Kyler. Like Sometimes on a drive when they hit that first, first down, they used to go into like a, a faster mode, but I haven't done that in the last two years. And they really didn't do it with Hurts either. So you can go three years. So I actually looked up, and I, I know that plays per game is not the best way. I, I do have some more like nerdy stats when it comes to advanced pace or, and adjusted pace. But 2018, when Kyler won the Heisman, they were 105th in the country in plays per game. You don't have to be up tempo. You can have one of the best. You can have one of the best. Offenses in the history of college football, playing slow. It's possible. We saw it happen. Okay, I'm off that. I do think they should play with some more tempo in this game. And I also think that they should, on some drives, you know, stick with the, the personnel grouping you trust the most. Don't let those defensive linemen from Texas substitute. Keep, keep those big dudes on the field. Play with some tempo. and tired get them tired it's going to be I mean, 95 degrees out there which 95 on that field it's going to be 105 yeah and you know especially the arkansas game's a good example man sometimes those big boys they'll tap out i mean tap out so uh, i'm hoping they use they use a little more tempo and, and keep those guys on the field as far as spencer rattler just be patient man it's another team, right? Deep zone, deep zone coverage team, primarily cover four, cover three. They are going to give him the underneath throws. The intermediate passing game will be there all game long. Will he be patient enough to just take it over and over? Because they're going to give it to so him. far. Yeah. He's got like one of the, the lowest yards per completion out there for especially for as many yards as he's thrown for. I mean, it, it's, it's efficient. Just don't force it. Yeah. Last time he forced it in this game, he got his ass benched. 
that is that also good point that's a good point and don't get tired of taking those easy yards right easy first downs don't get tired of it and as far as the run game let's see more of what we saw last week run zone and i, I don't say that just because it's my favorite play texas has big bodies man big bodies along the defensive line they also have some linebackers that I don't know sometimes what the hell they're looking at when it comes to fitting their gap. I mean, they'll just wander off into space a couple times. I'm just like, what, is, what are they doing? So make those big defensive linemen read, react, and run. Get them don't moving. Don't forget, the greatest weapon an offensive lineman has in the zone game is the cut block. It's a lot easier to get some more bodies on the ground. Yeah. It's a lot easier to cut that uh, big dude than it is to try and block him. Just cut him. Get him down. This is something we didn't talk about in the K-State recap. Uh, is someone, someone going to teach our linebackers how to take on a cut block? Because the first thing that hit the ground was their face a couple times. Yeah, Osamoa got cut once, and his he landed right on top of his head. And he basically ran himself right into the cut block. Yeah, no, it was like he accelerated into it. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> I know exactly what player you're talking about, but... I would like to see us cut, you know, chop chop some of these guys down from Texas, especially on the backside. That's something that uh, that I think they can get done. And then the play action stuff. Uh, I mean, you you hit on it, Ted. Uh, take your shots down the field off of that zone action, right? Uh, whether it's boot or whether it's just moving the launch point, kind of extended play action from the zone stuff. So it's a pretty simple formula offensively. Uh, I, I really think like. Texas's defense is fine. They're, they're nothing special. I, I, I will be really surprised if OU doesn't move the ball and score points on them. Because yeah. I, I really think that they're a, you know, they're a above average group. That's about what they are. Yeah. A couple of things that you hit on that I love. The, the personnel stuff, staying the same personnel. For a lot of people, they can't do that because you have to use different guys to do different things. Uh, you have to have, you know, multiple tight ends out there if you want to run and get into some heavy run game stuff. And then you got to sub them out and bring in smaller bodies if you want to get into the pass game stuff. The, the best asset about our offensive roster is the versatility of our mid-range guys, like our H-backs and tight ends, the versatility there. They can do anything in the offense with those guys out on the field. Um, the other thing, like the taking the shots. So just to tell everyone, like we're talking about the zone and the boot, like that's going to be the big, the zone's going to be the big run, the boot off of it is going to be the other thing. Almost all boots are built the exact same way. You'll have uh, some type of, you'll have a backside like tight end here and some type of like either H-back running across or two tight ends, but you'll have a deep route behind the backers that comes over behind the backers. And then you'll have a front side route that blocks down and pauses and then releases into the short flat. So you'll have an over a short flat, and then the outside wide receiver on the boot side, 90% of the time pushes up the field about 12 to 14 yards and runs a comeback on the sideline. So you've got the over, 
the short, either from the backfield or from the play side guy blocking the releasing out and a comeback. Mark my words. If this is going to be part of our offense, we're going to hit the double move on the boot. So instead of running the comeback, like he runs 90% of the times, he's this, the underneath guy is not going to release to the flat. He's going to maintain that block. So the quarterback has more time and it's going to be a double move, fake the comeback, hit the double move, throw the deep ball because a lot of times in boot, the middle safety has to jump down and buy the crossing route behind the backers. It's a great play. We haven't shown that, but if you're going to be a boot team, it has to be in the arsenal. You love boot. I can just tell. I, I can tell it's giving you nightmares. It's like, well, I, I loved defending it because I had, I, I had a good, I, I was coached well on it, had a good understanding of it. But if I was an offensive coordinator, I'd use it a ton. To me, it's like a pitcher. Like, if you have a great fastball and a great changeup, you don't need a whole lot else. Now, obviously, you get into the majors and everything. But if, if you've got those two pitches, you can do almost anything. And to me, that's what the zone and boot game is. Because you can build it out of a million different formations. Just keep feeding Jeremiah Hall the rock, baby. Yeah. All he does is make plays. Yep. Just find creative ways to get the man the football. Okay, let's get to call your shot. Got a couple. We asked, uh, we asked you guys for the, the number one bold prediction you had for OU Texas. This one comes from Sooner Nader on Twitter who said, <laughs> we will see Caleb Williams on multiple short down situations, especially at the goal line. I think he scores a few like the belldozer. Wouldn't shock oh. me, right? Goal line package. Okay. What Blake have four that one year? It was a lot. Was that the year we scored 63? I don't know. It was back-to-back years. We scored 55 one year and then 63 the next. Who could remember, which right? When you score it's, that I, much, it's, whoops. it all runs together. But, yeah, I, I, I think that – I don't think Caleb Williams dropping that snap on the goal line last week is going to just get him banished to the bench. Like, that's – we we know that's in the playbook, right? They're they the it's more than possible they go to that at some point on the goal line in this game. Yeah, I it's the speed down there in that area of the field is incredibly difficult to deal with. Um he can obviously keep it and run it. He can run it inside, he can pull it and beat someone to the pylon on the outside. And he can run the sprint pass stuff where you've got the run pass option. You sprint out to the outside. You run the little pick routes. If it's not there, he just turns it up and tries to get to the end zone. You do a million different things with him. It's easy to build that package, and I'm sure they've already done it. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've got no problem. I can't. I won't say that, no, there's no way it happens. Possibility. Yeah. This last one comes from Brandon Gade. Gade, G-A-E-D-E. Gady, Gade, Gade, that's my guess. Sorry if that's not right, Brandon. Brandon Gade, he says OU rushes for 150 yards and Spencer throws for 350. Defense holds Bijan to 75 yards and picks off Casey twice. Damn, Brandon. Okay. What's the most likely of that? Two interceptions. For Casey Thompson, he should have had three against TCU. That's he really the most should. He likely. just didn't see the underneath zone coverage. The just question is, can our defensive backs catch the football? 
OU's going to run for 150. They're going to. That's happening. Um, I uh, People aren't going to like this. Uh-oh. My prediction is that Texas outgains OU yardage. I, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the game. No, it, it doesn't mean they're going to win the game. They will, uh, they will have the best player on the field. I cannot stress to anyone that hasn't seen Bijan Robinson how tough this young man is going to be the tackle in this football game. Texas, Texas has, by a large margin, the best offense that we will have seen up to this point in the season. And probably the best offense that we will see all season. Not probably. The best offense we will see all season. I will say... Kansas State's offensive line is better than theirs. Yeah. I, th- I, I believe that to be true. They are, but Kansas State isn't a, a large volume scoring and yardage. No, I know what you mean, yeah. To, like Texas has, you know, and a lot of it is they put up 70 against Tech and then the Rice game, but they got the number one offense in the Big 12 right now, scoring and total. Well, I mean, they did score 70 in one game. That's kind of an outlier, but, you know. So did we. That's true. It's, it's a point. massive outlier for us. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's get to our OU Texas preview with Fozzie Whitaker, my man Fozzie. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Loves has given us a $25 game day gift card to give away each week. And this is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Loves on your way to the OU Texas game. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Loves Twitter account. We'll contact you if you are the winner. Pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all of the snacks and drinks, including my favorite Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here he is, Fozzie Whitaker. It is our pleasure to be joined by a former Texas Longhorn great. You can catch him on SiriusXM Radio. You can also catch him on Longhorn Network. Fozzie Whitaker is in the house. My man, Foz, what's going on? What's happening, fellas? Man, appreciate y'all having me on tonight. 
Uh, looking forward to a big weekend, obviously, but uh, just enjoying the moment as it is and, and taking in everything that this week has to offer. So you're covering Texas very closely now with what you're doing for Longhorn Network. Man, I got to start here. How good is B. John Robinson, man? Oh, one of the absolute best running backs and literally one of the best players I've ever seen in my life live in action, man. I, I, I've been asked this question, like, who does he remind me of from the style of play that he has and kind of that impact ability that he makes on the game? Kind of who does he remind me of? And I can't think of somebody that kind of fits his mold to the T. He's kind of creating his own kind of identity with some of the greats that came through Texas. And I, and I said lately that he reminds me a little bit of Ricky, the way that he was able to break tackles. But at the same time, you know, Ricky wasn't split out in the backfield catching post routes or being viewed as the, the best route runner as Steve Sarkeesian has dubbed uh, Bijan on the team. So it's like he has a little bit of Ricky with that aspect, but also a little bit of Reggie Bush whenever you start talking about his impact you know, out of the backfield from the passing game and then making people miss, whether it's running through tackles, running, jumping over them, spin moves, juke moves, you name it, he's been able to do it. And uh, he just has his own style about him as one of the best running backs in the country, in my opinion. It's got to be awesome for you. Um, you know, after watching Tom Herman's system, and I've got a ton of respect for Sam Ellinger and everything that that he did, but it was basically a one-man show, you know, yeah. all the running game, everything went through him. Um, not a lot of the skill. I thought they had good skill talent, but they never got anyone else involved. It's got to be good watching Sarkeesian's system where you finally get to see some of these receivers, uh, running back, skill guys being a bigger part of the offense. Yeah, and, and probably the biggest thing to note from the differences between Tom Herman and Steve Sarkeesian in year one is obviously – Sark has made it an emphasis and a point to get his playmakers the ball and get it to them often. And one thing that used to irk me about Tom Herman, not saying he's a bad coach, but whenever he used to sub people in and out and roll them throughout the, the, the course of the game, no matter what the situation was, it was because it was the third drive or something. He had another group of guys rotating in at the receiver and running back position. It, it kind of used to irk me because at that time, I felt like there may have been better options to be able to go to consistently, whereas Steve Sarkeesian, he is, he's allowing Bijan to get into a rhythm. He's allowing him to establish himself in the game. The same can be said for Xavier Worthy. Uh, not this past week. He had a tough game, but against Texas Tech, he allowed Xavier Worthy to find a rhythm. Same for Jordan Whittington, guys that uh, kind of need to step up in this offense to make plays, and Steve Sarkeesian's finding a way to get them the ball and get it to him consistently. And, and the man getting it to him, Casey Thompson, a little shaky, right, a, against TCU, but other than that, has been solid. Foz, what are you kind of expecting from Casey Thompson in this game? You know, it, it's very weird because the emotions for Casey are obviously going to be off the charts, I feel like, and uh, obviously the ties that he has to Oklahoma and then committing to Texas and then spending three years watching Sam Ellinger play against uh, Oklahoma, what, four times, uh, three in Dallas and then once in the Big 12 championship and kind of 
experiencing the atmosphere of what it means for this Red River rivalry game to uh, take place. It's kind of, I don't know, but everything that I've seen so far up to date is he's always been poised. And no matter what it looks like in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, whenever he got an opportunity to come in, he's been very poised and has taken advantage of every opportunity that was given to him. And uh, I wouldn't even say given to him every opportunity that he had to take in order to be in the position that he's in now. And uh, TCU is probably a great example of him not having that prolific six touchdown game, not going for four touchdowns and, having all the stats to go with it and, and struggling a little bit. But in the fourth quarter, I seen a pass that he hit to Jordan Whittington in that RPO game that really gave them the go-ahead touchdown score where he had already thrown a pick. The passing game was not, uh, you know, in rhythm. He hadn't had really a lot of help from his receivers prior to that. And uh, he still stood firm in the pocket, under pressure, took a shot in the face, and was still able to deliver a great ball, and Jordan Winnington goes on to score. And that's kind of uh, what has embodied his career at the University of Texas is just really coming down, not really getting a lot of looks, not having a ton of opportunities, but then whenever his number is called, he's making the most of it. And uh, that's what I'm hoping to expect in this game, but I know the emotions will probably be running uh, very wild for him with all the ties that uh, uh, are taking place on Saturday. Just kind of building on that point, we were just talking about Oklahoma's game plan is probably going to be focused on stopping Bijan. Now, whether or not they're going to be able to, I don't know. But the plan has to be to try and limit him as much as possible and put it on Thompson's arm in the pocket yep. if they can. Yep. How do you think he'd respond if that's if they are able to to limit Bijan and put it on him some? Yeah, I think that's going to be the game plan for for Texas with whoever they face. And if I was a defense coordinator, that's the first person that I'm stopping and game planning for as well is stop Bijan and make Casey Thompson, who I wouldn't say is necessarily proven to a degree uh, since he, he hasn't played in this type of robbery setting yet. He hasn't played against a defense uh, a defensive front like what Perion Winfrey, Nick Benito, and Isaiah Thomas are going to bring each and every play that they're in. He hasn't seen this on a consistent basis. So I would I would have that same game plan, but as Sark kind of has molded his, I guess, play calling to get the ball into his other playmakers' hands. So uh, if Bijan is not getting it going, he has to find ways to get Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy, who are Right now, the two best wide receivers that Texas have, he has to find a way to get them going, whether it's in the screen game, uh, whether it's also using Casey's legs on, on some zone read or or whatever type of read type plays, uh, just allow them to, to loosen up that defense a little bit to try to create some space uh, for Bijan. And they have to hit on the deep ball. That's where uh, Texas is lacking right now is that they've had terrible success on balls that are 20 plus yards in the air. Uh, and, and they haven't just had, you know, that that game, that breakout game where they're able to do that consistently. So if they can do that, that'll hopefully loosen up the secondary to be able to still try to work in the run game. We know uh, Coach Sark will not abandon it. He gave Bijan the ball 35 times this past week against TCU. So uh, being able to loosen up the defense a little bit is going to be the game plan. But Casey has to do that with the short game and then obviously completing the deep ball as well. Okay, since we've talked about everyone on offense, 
but the O-line, guys. <laughs> I'll ask the question. Okay, so Okafor goes down, right, yep. against TCU. Going to be out. Uh, you bring in Carrick there, right tackle. Kerstetter bumps to the left guard. You know, th- this group clearly has not played a lot of snaps together, especially yep. in games. So well, what are you ha- – how do you feel about the O-line coming into this game? Boy, that is the biggest question mark right now on my mind. And I just named the three guys that are on that defensive front that each, what, together, I believe they already have 10 sacks on the season. Three and a half, three and a half, two and a half, I believe, is is uh, what the sack counts are, are between the three of them alone. And uh, that's my biggest area of concern because the left tackle position right now, Christian Jones, is – Probably the person, if I was the opposing defense, I would go attack him because he has not had the most success. Uh, he probably has, well, now, not anymore that that Ogilfer got hurt, but he had the least amount of starting experience. Uh, and just that left tackle position is obviously one of the most important positions on the field. So having your dude going against Christian Jones, that's the matchup that I'll be watching closely all day. But I don't feel very confident holding up in the past game just because they haven't shown that they can do it on a consistent basis. Uh, Casey was hit against Rice through a pick. Uh, obviously, he had a great game overall, but he still was getting pressured. Uh, TCU obviously pressured him, and he had opportunities to uh, – he had to escape the pocket because of the pocket collapsing. Took a couple of sacks because of that offensive line play as well. Uh, last year in this game, Oklahoma had six sacks. Uh, on the day and and that just is attributed to the type of defense that Alex Grinch has been able to put on the field since he's taken over uh, so that's the biggest area of concern that can really stymie this offense is that offensive line but uh, like I, I gotta go back to it but if, if Bijan can get the ball rolling they've shown that they can run block very well so if they can run block hopefully that softens that pass that pass rush just a little bit and, and keeps them uneasy but uh, I, I'm not very confident going into this game with the guys that that Oklahoma has up front let's hit the other side of the ball um what's been your impression of Oklahoma's offense it's it's not what we've been used to over the past five six years under Lincoln Riley um a little bit slower paced a little bit uh, more methodical teams are playing them a uh, couple of high safeties over the top mm-hmm. forcing them to keep everything underneath you think Texas is going to fall into a similar game plan? Yeah, I, I, I do believe that. And I think the offenses of Oklahoma and Texas right now seem to be kind of similar is that they're held back by the pass blocking of the offensive line. And, and typically for Oklahoma, we haven't heard that. Like they've always put out guys. Gabe can attest to that. Uh, but Texas has kind of had that struggling mantra about themselves for it seems like a decade plus uh, with finding a true offensive line that can hold it down in a pass blocking game uh, for sustainable series. So for Oklahoma to kind of be in this precarious situation, it, it's very weird to me because it's not there, but I know the potential that Oklahoma's offense has, uh, as, especially with Spencer Rattler. He's figuring it out. Last game, probably one of his more complete games this season uh, outside of the Western Carolina game, but seeing how he's starting to get it. The O-line is starting to mesh together. I think the approach that Texas defense has to have is, is number one, they have to try to get after the quarterback, stop the run actually first. They have to stop the run first, 
and then have to try to get after the quarterback. But I think they'll keep everything in front. That's kind of what I've learned from what uh, Coach Kwiatkowski has already done. It, is It's a bend but don't break type of philosophy where uh, he's going to play that shell umbrella look or he'll roll to a three, uh, uh, a cover three look and just play those, those corners and safeties deep and give up the underneath. And then, you know, once – they get into the red zone kind of bow up. So I wouldn't think that that game plan would change dramatically uh, seeing how uh, kind of Oklahoma struggled with the deep ball this year for whatever reason as well. But uh, you don't want that opportunity as Spencer Rattler figures it out to be this game. So I would say, keep everything in front, uh, try to focus on the run and then obviously just, just game tackle. And that's probably going to be the, the key for Texas defense in my opinion. Ozzy, kind of the the stuff that you know you were telling me that was coming out of Texas training camp was that the defensive line was going to be the strength of yep. that defense. Man, where's the pass rush? I just I'm, sure I, I'm not I'm not seeing the production. Like when I watch them, I, I think the strength you know is you know Cook and Jameson and Thompson, yep. the guys that I got playing nickel and corner. I think the safeties are a bit of a weakness, but. That D-line, like there's just – where's the production at? Yeah, and that's that's a good question because that's who I thought was going to be leading this charge for the defensive front, and they and they have the most depth. Uh, but finding the quarterback has been – it's like, man, Houdini must be out there every single week because these guys, like they're, they're creating some pressures, but they're not getting the sack numbers. And each week, this is funny because this is the fourth week that Griff, Michael Griffin, who's on Longhorn Network with me, we argue back and forth. Who is the go-to pass rusher guy? Last year, Joseph Osai was that dude. If you needed a play to be made on the defensive line, Joseph Osai was out there and you could depend on him to affect the play in some way. It might not have been a sack. It may have been a pressure or he flushed a quarterback out to another player. Whatever the case may be, we knew who that was. This week, this year, like I said, for the past four weeks, we have not found that solid go-to guy. And initially, I thought it was Ovia Gofu, and then he's gone missing in the pass rush. And then I thought it was Kobe Jones. Haven't seen him being able to make an impact as well. Ray Thornton, the LSU transfer, has not gotten back to the quarterback. Tavondre Sweat, Coburn, uh, these are guys that are experienced and have played a lot of ball, but just as a collective unit, they have not gotten to the quarterback. They haven't gotten them down. Now, some of the throws they've affected, but they haven't gotten them down. And there was too many times against TCU, for instance, that Max Duggan sat in a clean pocket and was able to kind of pat the ball and find whoever he wanted to find. And uh, and I know if Spencer Rattler has that time, he will make this defense pay. But uh, somebody has to step up and they got to do it fast because that, that defensive line – is not generating a big enough pass rush to be able to affect a quarterback in a, in a game-changing way without having to do, uh, you know, secondary blitzes. How about stop of the run? You know, Oklahoma, uh, traditionally, a, a lot of people view Lincoln Riley as an air raid type of guy, but he's really not. It's Oklahoma's run game focused. And when they run the ball well, it opens up that entire offense. This year has been a struggle got a little bit going against Kansas State, got Kennedy Brooks rolling a little bit more. How do you think Texas is going to do trying to stop that run for Oklahoma? You know, I think that's – that's I always talk about it, but with, with Lincoln Riley, you just said it. His, his focal point is always establishing the run, and that's kind of philosophy that 
a, a lot of coaches have, but Lincoln actually embodies it because you can see the production each and every year with the running backs in the offensive line. So uh, even though they're struggling now, that's still going to be his same philosophy. If he can get that going, obviously everything else opens up. And it's the same for Texas. If Bijan gets going, it makes the job for Casey so much easier. But uh, for for the defensive line, they they have to find ways to get into the backfield and penetrate. The, the, the worst enemy to the run game is penetration. If you can have penetration, uh, especially at the nose tackle with that three technique, uh, that really kills a lot of plays in the backfield. And they may not make a, a TFL, but being able to bounce the runner to another defender or being able to mess up the timing, if it's a gap scheme play, uh, then, then that will be enough to be able to affect the play to allow your defense rally and hopefully play fast. But it all starts with, you know, you got to get a great push up front. And, and if you don't get a jump off the ball uh, and, and you're late and you're getting drove back, man, it can be some consequences. But the play of Tavondre Sweat really is the guy that stands out to me that could have a huge impact in his game. The past two weeks, he's probably been the best defensive lineman that Texas has rolled out on the field. And if he can continue to play the way that he's played against uh, Texas Tech and TCU, uh, then they're going to have to call on him a lot to be able to uh, be a force in stopping Oklahoma's run game. Fozzie, people that listen to this podcast are going to be experiencing deja vu because you and I have literally said some very similar things. We recorded (laughs) something kind of leading into your interview and people are going to be like, wait, they're saying the same thing. It's like, yeah, because that's what the tape says, man. I mean, yeah. it, it really, it, it really is interesting. All right, man. I, I don't need you to pick a score or anything like that, but it does seem like the coaches and players for Texas are confident. It seems like the fans feel better about this game than they felt in a while. Oh yeah. How do you see this one going, man? Man, just like all the other ones pretty much since 2014, uh, besides the Big 12 championship, I think they've all ended in a one-possession game. And I think this will be no different. And and to put it kind of frank, this is the first time in a long time that Texas is, is like playing for something that's on the line right now. In previous years, Texas has already either experienced a loss in Big 12 play or they just look lackluster as if they've kind of fumbled a couple wins together and didn't have any momentum coming into this game. Now, obviously it's still a robbery game. So anything can happen from, you know, a team could be 0 and 4 and the other team could be undefeated and it could still be a shootout and a battle to the very end. But I think this one, you, you talked about the Texas fans kind of feeling very confident and it's because of what Sark has already put into the air and it's just belief. And that's kind of where it starts is people are starting to believe that Sark is the right guy for this team and that Sark is making the right decisions and it's starting to show on the field where last week I thought if Tom Herman was the coach, Texas loses that game. We got a little help because they had forced three turnovers, but it doesn't, to me, an ugly game the way that Texas had to win last week. Tom Herman was notorious for kind of losing those types of games. So seeing a different belief from Sark being able to pull out those close games, man, it gives this Texas fan base a a huge boost. And then, like I said, there's something on the line. It feels like this was back in the day whenever we used to play. We knew whoever won this game was going to represent the Big 12 South in the Big 12 championship game. I feel like this is that type of caliber game. Both teams being ranked again. It's just 
I think it'll still be a one possession. I think it'll it's really going to come down to whoever can control the ball the best and don't make turnovers. It, usually this game is predicated off of who turns the ball over the least amount typically wins. And, and that's what I see probably as a trend that'll continue to happen in this weekend as well. Hey, I'll tell you, say this too. The Big 12 championship game, that would have been a one possession if it weren't for that uh, phantom holding call on that kickoff return at the end of the game. I remember looking around, I was like, hey, All right. right. Hey, on the broadcast, <laughs> we were like, yeah, that's a terrible call. <laughs> you got to live with it, though. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes All right, Foz, you're the man. Uh, appreciate the time. You going to be in Dallas? You going to be there for the game doing Longhorn no. Network stuff? Man, they, they, I wish we could go out there, but since ESPN game day is going to be out there, they're making us do it from the studio. So I'll be in Austin wishing I had some funnel cakes and, and corn dogs and, and all the Well, it's going to be hot. You're going to be glad you weren't sitting down there in a suit. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this is going to be brutal. I still take that over having to sit in the studio. Yeah. Hey, I love it. I'll, don't worry, man. I'll eat an extra funnel cake for you, extra corn dog, chug a couple extra beers for you. You're the man. Thanks. My man, appreciate y'all having me on, man. Y'all have a good one. Well, Ted, Fozzie thinks Bijan's pretty good, too. He would know. He would know. Got an eye for the running back there at Texas. Not a shock. <laughs> Join yeah. the crowd, Fozzie. Please tackle him. Please tackle him, guys. He's very good. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, it is still warm outside, and you know what that means. It is hard seltzer season, baby. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic Drive-In flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at a local grocery store, convenience store, and liquor store. Would be perfect before OU Texas. Just saying. Would go real nice with the Fletcher's corn dog. Just saying. Okay, National College Football Roundup, Ted. Big one in Iowa City. If OU Texas wasn't happening, happening, I'd say that this is the game of the week, but OU Texas is happening, so it's not. But it is a big game. Penn State, number four Penn State at mm. number three Iowa. Number four not, versus number I would three. not have had this matchup as a top five matchup preseason. I, uh, neither would I, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, other than OU Texas game of the week, and this one has a low scoring big 10 battle written all over it. Both of these defenses, man, they are good against the run. I, I do think Tyler Goodson and that Iowa running game will have some more success than Penn state's ground attack against Iowa's front seven that Iowa defense is mm -hmm. tough, man, but good. 
Penn State also, they just haven't had a lot of success running it this season. It, it feels like a game that is going to come down to quarterback play and turnovers. Sean Clifford has been, uh, I mean, he's been a polarizing player in the past, but he's been pretty damn good this year. Uh, I mean, he has. He, he is, he's been consistent. He's been solid. And Jahan Dotson, that dude can go. And he may end up being an X factor in this entire game, but I assume Iowa is going to try to make any receiver other than Dotson beat them. Uh, probably a guy like Parker Washington, but th- there's no doubt that Sean Clifford, he's got to take care of the football because Iowa's defense has forced an unreal amount of turnovers this season. 16 forced turnovers. Nuts. It, it's hard to force turnovers this day and age. They're not easy to to create. So that's a that's a crazy number this quick. I think they're plus 11, maybe plus 12 in turnover mm-hmm. margin, which is, once again... It's hard not to be undefeated whenever you're that way through five games. Yeah, but I, I think if Penn State can... If they can take care of the ball offensively, and even if they punt it, right? If they can make Iowa's offense actually put together long drives. Like I was had so many short fields this year because of the turnovers their defense has forced. I, I am a little skeptical if you make Spencer Petrus drop back a bunch, if that passing attack is just going to be able to produce enough to put some points on the board against good defense. But we'll see, man. I, I'm pumped for this game. I think the environment is going to give Iowa the edge. I think Iowa City is going to be going nuts. Kinnick Stadium is going to be rocking. Bob Stoops will be back. Cool. But I, I think that'll give Iowa a little lift. I'm, I, I'm taking the Hawkeyes in this one. Yeah. Uh, interesting statistic. Ooh. 25% of the quarterbacks in the top 12 are named Spencer. That is what you call advanced <laughs> analytics that you will only get on the Oklahoma breakdown with Iker and Layman right there. Oh my gosh. That's got to be the first time ever. I, the running game is critical here. There's no doubt. I think Iowa's offensive line is a, a, a quite a bit better than Penn State's offensive line. I think that's an edge for them. Um, I trust Iowa to take care of the football at home. Clifford has been better this season, but it's been his Achilles heel his entire career. You go on the road against a top five team that is creating turnovers like crazy this season. To me, it's a recipe for the old Clifford to show back up. Um, especially if they fall behind in the game, which fall behind in the game may mean like they fall behind seven to three in the in the third quarter, right? I feel Huge like margin. I, yeah, we're the same though. I, I think it's going to be a really really low scoring football game, but I just I think Iowa is just a little bit better in all the critical areas. Plus, they're at home, great environment. I'll tell you, this is one of the best uniform matchups possible, too. You love the old school. You love the traditional look. You're all about I it. I do. Iowa's got some great unis. 
I prefer the Penn State home uniforms, but the road ones are awesome too. Great uniform game. So it'll be it'll be the Penn State whites, right? Uh-huh. And then I will be wearing black. Black and gold. Ooh, you're right. It's gonna look good. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's gonna be. An I awesome do. Environment too. I I love I love great matchups like this, but when it's a great matchup and it's aesthetically pleasing, oh, love that. Mm-hmm. And there's Good nothing more. And the great center, the best center in college football, too. You stole the words right out of my mouth. There's <laughs> nothing more aesthetically pleasing in all of college football than Tyler Linderbaum, the center for Iowa. If you don't know, you're going to learn watching this game. In all seriousness, he's, he's probably my favorite college center I've ever watched. I mean, really. Like, yeah. He's, he's awesome. Okay, next game. Number 13, Arkansas. At number 17, Ole Miss. Both teams coming in this one. The loser's after, bracket game. Yeah, both teams. <laughs> loser bracket game, that's good. Both teams coming in this one after humbling experiences Whew. against the two best teams of the country last weekend. Uh, just a reminder, when these two teams played last year, Matt Corral threw six interceptions six just a reminder now i don't think that's going to happen again bama is bama right but it did seem like they missed having jonathan bingo out there last week at wide receiver i assume corral and ole miss and your boy levy and that offense are, are going to put up some points but you also have to assume that arkansas's defense is going to want to bounce back Mm-hmm. after getting pushed around by Georgia. So I, I feel like this is two really motivated teams going at it in this game, Ted, trying to prove a point, trying to prove that, you know, they're better than what happened to them last weekend. And I do think we're starting to get to the point in the season where depth is really starting to matter, right? Guys are getting yeah. banged up. You're seeing guys miss games. And Arkansas is just banged up, man. You're, you're continuing to hear about, hey, this guy's going to be out. This guy's questionable. He's going to be a game-time decision. The offensive line banged up. And I know Sam Pittman says K.J. Jefferson is back to 100%. He didn't look anywhere close to 100% last week. So I'm not buying that. You know, I, I guess if Traylon Smith and Traylon Burks have special days, that Arkansas offense can do something maybe, but Games in Oxford, I think that offense is is really going to be wanting to prove a point, Ted. I I, I got the Rebels in this one. I, I think Crowell may light Arkansas up. Yeah, I I think that's going to happen. Um, I still think Arkansas is a good, solid football team. I do. Just think about the like the polar opposites. Other than playing like a a triple option team. What Georgia tried to do to Arkansas offensively compared to what Ole Miss is going to do to Arkansas offensively is two different worlds. Run the football, slow it down, just pound it, pound it, pound it. Would they throw the ball like eight or nine times in the whole game? Kirby wasn't going to let Stetson throw it around. No, so uh, Ole Miss, it's going to be different. It's going to be fast. They're going to make you run sideline to sideline. Uh, they'll run the ball a ton. They'll they'll probably run it more than they pass it, but it's just a different feel 
so it's, it's going to be a hard turnaround game for Arkansas. I think Ole Miss gets it done, but uh, someone needs to bounce back in a in nice fashion after last week. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, moving on. Georgia, number two Georgia. At number 18, Auburn. I can't decide if I think this game is more interesting than people think or not, but Auburn coming off the comeback win against LSU where Bo Nix was actually good and fun to watch and like just running around like a madman. I mean, he was running all over the place and finding guys down the field, making plays, using his legs. Like it was great. It was awesome to watch, but I I don't think he's going to have as much luck with that strategy against that Georgia defense. But it, when you look at, at what Auburn wants to do offensively, right? They, they've got Tank Bigsby. They've got Jarquez Hunter. And those that's a great running back tandem. But I don't think it matters, man. I just I don't think they're going to be even. And Bo Nix is a running quarterback. Like, I still don't think. They're going to be able to run it on Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, and that Georgia defensive front. I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So I, I'm not even sure if JT Daniels doesn't sound like he's going to play like it was the oblique. Now it's the lat. Then Kirby said it, it all comes down to how much pain he can tolerate. That doesn't sound very fun. So I'm not sure he's playing. I'm not sure it even matters. Stetson will be enough with that defense. So. They'll just hand it to what I've let me know if this is good or bad. Okay. So I'm calling this the law firm of Georgia running backs, white cook, Milton and McIntosh, <laughs> the law firm of Georgia running backs, uh, white cook, awesome. Milton and McIntosh. What do you think? Good, I bad, stupid. I love it. That's great. <laughs> they hand them all the rock, man. But I will say, Hey, Jordan hair stadium. That place is going to be rocking with the number two team in the country coming to town, but it ain't going to be enough. Give me the dogs. Yeah, it, you're right. It's not going to matter who they play at quarterback. Uh, it's it's going to be the same exact formula it was last week. Uh, hand it off. Be conservative. Let your defense do the work. Here's the thing, man. Auburn's offense is about as balanced as you could be. There's something like, 275 yards a game rushing and 255 yards a game passing, something like that. I got news. You ain't hitting the 270 yards rushing against Georgia. Here's where they're really going to struggle, and here's where Bo Nix is going to struggle. They're not going to be able to run it like they're used to. He's going to be put in predictable situations, and they're going to tee off on him. They're going to get after the him in the pocket. He's going to be in scramble mode. He's going to be throwing it into dangerous situations down the field. I bet he throws three interceptions. They're going to make him totally predictable and be able to just really pin their ears back defensively. I don't think he'll be able to throw three because I think if he throws two, they'll pull him. Right? They pulled him a couple games ago. Yeah. You may be For right. For the Franklin kid, right? So. Yeah. Okay, well, he throws two. They combine for three interceptions. <laughs> I they they combine for three. Yeah, so no, I'm with you. I think that that could be, yeah, that could be a very uh, very interesting situation for Bo Nix. 
Yeah. We'll see. It's going to be tough. Yeah. George is going to win. All right, moving on. Let's wet the beak a little bit. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass-filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And it's not too late, people. If you want to go to OU Texas Weekend and you're looking for events, a hotel, and transportation, the OU Club of Dallas, I don't know why I said Dallas that way. That was weird. The OU Club of Dallas has you covered. Visit OUClubofDallas.com for all the details. The home for Sooner fans is the Renaissance Addison with rooms priced at only $170. I can't read. $187 a night. It's also the site for the Beat Texas Pep Rally on Friday nights with exclusive appearances by the Pride of Oklahoma marching band, OU cheer squads, and Boomer and Sooner and more. On Saturday, you can ride in style with police-escorted buses to the game. Those are so clutch. The OU Club of Dallas has been the go-to source for Beat Texas Weekend since the 1950s, and proceeds from the weekend fund OU scholarships. Check out OUClubofDallas.com for these of, before these events sell out. I only made like eight reading airs in that. That was... Uh, it gives it character. OU Club of Dallas. Like, it's what? a true live read, Gabe. Uh, yeah, uh, we are. Oh, uh, you're. hey, I'm telling you right now, you're in trouble, but we're starting to get some requests. YouTube and we got an Apple podcast review that would like Uh-oh. you to read some ads. Oh, boy. They said, yeah. I mean, straight requests from the listeners. Okay. Well, we may have to look at that. We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. All right. <laughs> let's wet the beak. As tempting as picking the Tennessee Jacksonville game was just so we could roast Urban Meyer. There are better games than that one. Uh, Buffalo, Kansas City on Sunday night football. Uh, I mean, it feels like a big one for the Chiefs. Chiefs only a two-and-a-half-point favorite there at Arrowhead. So those are two, in my opinion, those are two of the best four teams in the AFC. Well, it just so happens the other two teams that I think are the other two best teams in the AFC are also playing each other. And that's the Browns going to the Chargers. That is going to be a hell of a football game. Both teams are three and one. Short week for the Chargers coming off that win on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. Baker Mayfield trying to bounce back from what he called a, quote, piss-poor performance against the Vikings. Now, they still got the win, but there's no doubt Joey Bosa and that Chargers defensive line, they're going to be coming for Baker. Uh, I mean, Bosa, dude, he's back, man. Yeah, he's back he from the injury. He looks good. Their their whole their their rush their their whole rush and some of the different schemes they do up front is nasty. Does not help that the Browns are banged up at tackle. Both tackles 
injury report. Hmm. Not what you want. No. So, or actually, two two tackles injury report. I I think they feel pretty good about where they're at right tackle wise. But I will say, I, I like watching the Chargers. Man, Herbert throws darts. I mean, absolute lasers. Beast. And Austin Eckler, he's back. He's such a versatile back. Keenan Allen, he's so underrated. People should talk about he's that been man good more. for like a decade now. He's awesome. It's crazy. Eight or nine years, he's been killing it. And he's massive. Like, he's a big dude. But I'll say this. Miles Garrett should not allow – he should not be allowed to not wear sleeves ever again. Did you see that dude without sleeves on? That When I first saw the pictures, I thought they were fake. I thought it, someone had put like some type he, of filter on there. Okay, so I was, I was teammates with him when he came in the league as a rookie. Like, and he was jacked then, but he's almost getting like bodybuilder big. He didn't look like that last year. He didn't. I mean, he... He is massive, like, <laughs> like on the point where I'm like, dude, maybe you should tone it down just a little bit. Yeah. But he's, he said, when you've you got his six tweet? sacks already, you, yeah. he tweeted that he goes sleeveless one time and he gets drug tested the next day, which yeah, yes. I, there, that is not a coincidence. That's one That's where nuts. even people, other people are like, okay, yeah. NFL, we get it. We got, like, if you haven't seen the pictures, go look like it's absurd. And he's, he's obviously an awesome player, but you, you have to respect the running game of Chubb and hunt. Uh, you you got to expect them to get that going. It's been so effective for him. Uh, now you think the Browns can go win this game? Chargers are a one and a half point favorite currently. I think they can but I will not be picking them to do so. I, I got to tell you, Baker is not playing well. And they are, he hadn't had to. They've been so good defensively and they've been so good running the football that they haven't had to. He's on the season, he's got two touchdowns and, and two interceptions. Just almost a non-factor. He's not going to be able to go in and beat uh, Herbert as a non-factor. It's going to take excellent quarterback play to win that football game. Uh, and Baker's definitely capable of it, but it's, it's got to happen this week. If it doesn't happen this week, they're going to lose. Um, but losing on the road to the Chargers is not – that's not like it's a, some bad loss, okay? No. Um, I'll tell you, though – and I guess Baker, did he just issue a statement like this evening? Put some statement out about his performance? My wife handed me something that he put out there, and it was some maybe on Instagram or something. But my worry for Baker is like, he hasn't had to put up big numbers offensively to win. right? And I, that's a, their formula is a good formula. But Gabe, you know as well as I do, that at some point, the pass catchers on that team are going to be pissed because ultimately, 
in the NFL, you get paid for production, right? And whenever those guys come up for contracts, the teams that they're talking to are going to say, yeah, but yeah, you don't have any touchdowns. You don't have very many yards. I know you guys want a lot of games, but eh, you just, you don't produce like the other top wide receivers out there. So this, this battle is coming. I, I don't know when it's going to happen, but the battle is coming if he doesn't start playing better and they don't start putting some, some numbers up through the air. Yeah, he put something on Instagram. It's basically says, you know, people forgot how I got here, you know, going through adversity, growing through the trials, all that stuff. I'm just paraphrasing. Then he says, winning is the priority for me, always has been and always will be. That's what. That's why I was brought to Cleveland to change the narrative and impact others along the way. That being said, we have a great group. I have their back and they have mine. I'm going to battle for these guys every single week. On to the next challenge. Well, the next challenge is the Chargers, and they're a pretty solid football team. So I got to, he must be, there must be some pretty critical stuff going on in the media up in Cleveland for him to put something like that out. If I had to guess, it's that asshole, Tony Grossi. <laughs> no one likes that guy. Yeah. But I had to well, guess. I don't know, though. I, I, that's my worry for Baker is that, that that battle with the wide receivers is coming. Yeah. Well, Jarvis Landry can't say anything. He's not playing. That's so right. get back on the field, Jarvis, and maybe that'll solve the problems. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, I'm taking the Chargers in this one. Me too. One and a half. How about that? Yeah. How about that stadium not being a dome? What the hell is the going on? It's a lightning delay. I I would like John Gruden, his look, he looks up at the, the roof and looks back at the official. That was the funniest thing. What's the point in a lightning delay if all the fans sit there in the seats anyways? Oh, well, you see, there it's actually open in the ends, and some of the fans are somewhat exposed. Yeah, well, they're still sitting there. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was. Oh. It was so funny. I it know, was so I, funny. They built a gajillion dollar stadium and there was a lightning delay. It was, I, <laughs> God, it was funny to me. I could not stop laughing. I was like, that is hilarious. Like you think the construction company went, Hey, we just, we just did what the design said. Okay. This is what you gave us. We built what you wanted. I thought it was so funny delay. watching the, uh, the crew, like Steve Young and those guys, they're still down on the field doing their pregame. They're like, well, we're sitting here. They must not care about us. Yeah, no one moves. Everyone does the same thing. They're just going to delay the game. What a farce. That was funny. All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the week. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? I, I had to go with uh, Jalon Smith. Now, I know getting released by Dallas probably wasn't something that hit well with him, but I think he found a better home. I think it's going to end up being a home run for him. I think he's going to play well and eventually probably get paid. I think he's a really good player. He's been kind of a lightning rod down there in Dallas for that defense whenever they didn't perform well, but I've really liked watching the guy plays with a tremendous amount of effort sideline to sideline guy he's smart he's active 
I like him a lot. I think it's I think it's a, a home run for both him and the Green Bay Packers. A lot of people forget. Now, uh, you, you could probably, I can't remember if he was before or after Jake Butt, but he was one of those first guys where he got hurt in the bowl game, remember? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, dude, if, you, if you've forgotten what he looked like before the knee injury. Insane. I mean, he was one of the best college backers I had ever seen. Yeah. I was like, this guy is just. And he he had that bad knee injury and then suffered from the drop foot and took him a while get to get back. They drafted him anyways. I I have always rooted for him because of what he had to go through coming off that knee injury. Yeah. So it's not easy, man. Yeah, he, no. No, and it happens to more guys than you think. And I I he is one of those guys I want to see play well. Like I, I'm yep. rooting for that dude. I like him. I like him a lot. I think I think the Packers hit a home run, man. I really do. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? Well, I thought about going with Terrell Pryor. I guess he's been arrested um, throwing pumpkins at his girlfriend's car. Uh, his girlfriend's car was uh, one of the things that he was doing. Former teammate? To... That doesn't <laughs> seem like Terrell. Interesting way to start off uh, the Halloween season, the, the fall season, tossing pumpkins at a car. But I ended up going with what I think is the funniest headline I've ever seen. (laughs) Christian McCaffrey. Here's the headline. Christian McCaffrey's brother is in trouble for throwing a clipboard at a fan after a high school kid made fun of his pants. (laughs) Just the funniest thing ever. I guess he's an offensive coordinator for Northern Colorado. Um, and they got whipped in a game 40 to seven and in an angry fit, he breaks a clipboard, then throws it at a fan that was in the stands behind him, making fun of him about his pants. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. I, what, what kind of pants could a coach be wearing to where a fan would be making fun of him? Do uh, cargos. <laughs> but I kind of think cargos are back in now. What are the ones with like the little hammer loop in there? Like, you know, it's got the little loop on the side. The G you, they used to be the big jeans, like, like Jinkos. Yes. Jinkos yeah. with the hammer loop on the side. Well, maybe a little pattern on the pocket. What's up? And a, uh, a chain wallet. If he was chain walling it, it chain walleting it. He deserves to be made fun of. Do you know the best part about it? So Northern Colorado, they're two and three on the season. Do you know who who their coach is? Their head coach? It's Ed, right? Yeah, it's his dad. <laughs> I don't know why I find that hilarious. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's like, you know, you think he grounded him for uh for a week or something for, for throwing a clipboard at a fan? Yeah, like son. Hilarious. You can't do that. I'm not going to fire you, but you don't get your allowance for two weeks. Me and your mom have talked, and there's no more video games for the rest of the week. Oh, it gets better. Quarterback for the team. Dylan McCaffrey. They've got all the McCaffreys. What's the other one? Connor? Is Connor McCaffrey? I don't know. No one knows the other McCaffrey. How many McCaffreys are there? Do they all have bad hamstrings? (laughs) 
Boom. Roasted. Okay, if you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted on one of the top tw- it was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's a fancy corn, and that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon, which I drank some of last night. Turns out once you have a kid, you have a bourbon every once in a while on a Tuesday night. Things change. Yeah, it happened. I'm not ashamed of it. But it's big flavors. Make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones won the best in glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconesdistilling.com and make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. As a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible and educational possible educational and spiritual development, I just have lost the ability to read. I went to McGinnis. I can't read. They're just, they're going to be ashamed of me. <sighs> this is why you need to start doing some of the ads. I'm losing it, Ted. We've got to rotate. It's a lot of words like crammed into a small amount of time. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmzhs.org. Financial aid is available. All right, for my winner of the week, thought about going with Matt Nagy. He's seen the light, Ted. He has seen the finally? light. He finally said, that even if Andy Dalton is healthy, Justin Fields will be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears moving forward. He finally figured it out. Good for him, man. I love it, and congratulations to Andy Dalton, now collecting a large amount of money and holding a clipboard, possibly the greatest combination in the history of mankind. Nice. Nice. Also thought about going with the Carolina Panthers. Now, they lost to the Cowboys last weekend, but still off to a solid start. Sam Darnold looks good. He does. And they were able to trade for Stephon Gilmore and only had to give the Patriots a sixth-round pick for him. And it feels like a big acquisition for them. They're kind of uh, the term that's getting thrown out about them. They're in win-now mode. And J.C. Horn, their stud, is out for the year with the foot. So they go and get Gilmore. So I, I I liked it. I thought it was a good acquisition for him. Not really giving up much. Yeah. Get a guy I, well, that was, what, two years ago, defensive player of the year? Three years yeah. ago? Really good player. and Former teammate. Nice guy. I would say around week 14 or 15, when McCaffrey finally comes back from the tweaked hamstring, uh, Carolina could turn into a juggernaut. Yeah. No, I'm with you. 14 or 15. You almost slipped that by me. I was like, wait, 14. He meant, uh, uh, oh, and then I was like, oh, that's what he meant. It was a funny. He made it. He, he may not funny. ever, he may not ever make it back. There may just be 
you know, uh, IR him, Hammy. All right. But my winner of the weekend, Josh Giddy. Teddy, do you know who Josh Giddy is? Do you remember? Uh, he is the new uh, number one guy for the OKC Thunder. Very the good. Project. He was the guy that the Thunder drafted with the sixth overall pick in the draft. And my God, did he look good in their preseason game against the Hornets. I was there, saw it with my own two eyes, had my mask on and everything. And I really, I really just went to the game to watch Giddy. That's why I was like, all right, hey, I, I just want to see him. I want to see how big he is. I want to see how athletic he is. You know, some of the people I had talked to said, ah, I he doesn't have great athleticism, but yeah, he's really skilled. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not a, you know, talent evaluation expert when it comes to basketball, but I like to think I've, I've got a pretty good eye for just if a guy is decent or not, you know, just right off the bat. So I wanted to see him and he looked fantastic, Teddy. I mean, fantastic. 18 Dropping points, a couple of threes, open threes, catch, shoot threes. Release looked good. Mechanics looked smooth. No hitch. Nothing. Looked very comfortable shooting the rock. He's a pretty big dude. I mean, stood next to him. I was like, okay, all right, big guy, Mr. Australian man. Good size. He's not scrawny. He's an 18-year-old, but he's not scrawny. Like he's now I'm not saying he's jacked or anything like that, but normally when you hear 18, you're like, okay, this kid's gonna be a little lanky. Pole, yeah. No, he I mean, he had some. I know how this, he he had some girth to him. That's going to get used against me. Damn it. But he, he looked very comfortable with his handle. He looked very comfortable operating in transition. He was very under control for a young player. It did not seem like the game was moving fast. In fact, it seems like he was seeing shit in slow motion. Uh, He only had three assists. Because guys missed some shots, but I, I thought he really showed some vision. He had this awesome just cross-court pass with his left hand where I was like, wow. I mean, you just don't see many guys be able to do that with their op- their opposite hand. And he was more athletic. He moved better than I thought he would. He didn't appear to be like a glaring liability on the defensive end either. Like, that that's not something I noticed. This is definitely an overreaction to one NBA preseason game. I am fully aware of that, people. But here we go, Ted. I'm going to say it. I think I'm giddy about Josh Giddy. Huh? Oh, huh? man. How about that? Wow. Amazing. That's good news, though. A young star, hopefully in the making. That's tough. I don't care. I'm, and I know he played in a professional league overseas, right? But dude, it's still not easy at that young of an age to come over and preseason or not go out there and play against the big boys. You know, that's pretty impressive. Good news. Muted. I'm muted. The the mistakes are just piling up. <laughs> I'm leaving it in. The uh, I will say, luscious locks, fantastic hair on that man. 
Oh, that's good. That's good. The better the hair, the better the jump shot. That's true. That's a fact. Mm -hmm. All right. For my loser of the week, thought about going with Urban Meyer. Just been a rough week. You know, we've we've talked about New angles. We got new video angles out. Angles. He's trying to get all up in that thing. You know, (laughs) it just, you know, when you're trying to rebuild a culture and you're selling, you're trying to say, hey, guys, we all got to be all in. And then you do something like this. It just, it doesn't look good, Irvin. And that was after you tried to bring the strength coach in. And then after you brought TiVo in and now it's just, there's going to be some veteran guys in that locker room that say, Hey, I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I mean, that's what's going to happen. Uh, not a good start. Not a good start. What the owner said that it, they had to re he had to regain their trust and respect. I was like, oh my God, he's coached them for four games. Yeah. I don't know, man. I, 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 I feel like he's not gonna, I don't, they're not going to fire him and he's not going to quit, but if he has any opportunity at all to take another job, he will anything. Yeah. We'll see. Rough week for old urban Meyer, but my loser of the week goes to Garrett Cole. Bet you didn't see baseball coming. Oh. Now, he's super rich. Awesome for him. Great. Congrats. You deserve the money, Garrett. But he also doesn't get to have a beard because he plays for the Yankees and they have the stupidest rule in sports. He also was not good in the winner go home game between the Yankees and Red Sox. And it was the AL wildcard game, and it was the first baseball game I've watched all season. I do not Apparently watch baseball, first baseball until game the playoffs. Everyone watched all season. Correct. We'll get to that. But I, I thought he was going to do well, and then he only lasted two innings. I was like, oh, this guy makes a gajillion dollars. You know, here we go. It did not go well. He looked like he was going to puke. Half the time, like, I don't know if it was, I mean, he looked so nervous and uncomfortable. I was like, what is happening to this guy? It like, it was like seeing a guy lose it in real time. It was weird. Yeah. I I don't know. It's, I get it to be up there on that stage. Everyone's staring at you and not have your stuff and feel like you, you, you can't get anything where you want. It has to be a miserable feeling. But it's not the first game the guy's pitched in. You know, my God. I, I don't know. That was strange. Two innings? Two. Two. And it didn't help that, what was the guy's name, Avaldi for the Red Sox? was He was just dealing, looking comfortable. That dude, that ball that Schwarber hit, I, <laughs> I thought it was going to hit the moon. I mean, that thing, the sound that well, thing made was awesome, but. You knew it th- wasn't going to be a good night whenever, uh, what, Stanton hit one off the wall and the the play-by-play guy is screaming that it was a Stantonian blast and home run. <laughs> that was hilarious. Did you, I. He said, what would I, what I do wrong? What I, what am, what am I missing? The other guy says, well, he's standing on first base. I felt so, because. 
once again, I'm not a I'm not a big baseball guy. I have I'm sure that guy is the legendary announcer for the Yankees. But I heard that call, and my my first thought was, "Oh man, he's getting old." Like that was my first thought, and I know nothing about the guy. I don't know how old he. I was like, mm. <laughs> he literally goes, "What? What did I do wrong?" <laughs> it's like, hey, semi-related note. Did you? I didn't hear this. I did not catch it. When Toby opened up the broadcast at Kansas State, did you hear him say, "Welcome to Nebraska"? No. <laughs> yeah. Toby, (laughs) no way wait really do we have that recorded i yeah i heard him i i didn't hear it but i heard him and plank talking about it on toby's show uh monday morning i was i was laughing we gotta get our hands on that audio i know (laughs) know. plank will have it welcome to nebraska what (laughs) all right oh the, the real reason um that Garrett Cole is my loser of the week. Everyone was watching that game. The numbers are in, Ted. It was ESPN's most watched Major League Baseball game since 1998. Well, that's got to be like the home run race year, right? Is that Was that 98? Yeah, I couldn't believe that. I was like, wait, out of all the games? And I double-checked it. I'm pretty sure that's right. But 7.7 million viewers. Watch Garrett Cole suck when the season was on the line. Oh, but brutal. A reminder: Garrett Cole will be fine. He's already made eighty-four million dollars in his career. He's got two hundred and fifty-two million dollars still left on his guaranteed deal with the Yankees. He'll get over it. He'll get over that it. That is insane. I I personally believe and. He should have to pay them back some amount of money. That's the only reason you're there is to win games like that. That's it. At least like $10. Like, hey, I'm Something. sorry. Oh, brutal. That's the sport, though. It is. Get on, you get on the big stage. Damn. On that note, episode 153 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Monday morning. Hopefully recapping an OU win over Texas. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref, and you can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. If you're going to the game, don't forget sunscreen. Don't do it. Don't be the one walking out of there looking like a lobster. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one more time.